Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast, where we explore the history, stories, myths, legends, and hype that make shoes what they are today. We are Jared and Nick, two brothers with a passion for shoes. We are excited to have you along for the journey. Welcome back to part two of our jaunt through space as we explore what it would be like to walk around on different planets and moons in the solar system. In part one, we hit up some hot spots and cool locales as we checked out Mercury and wound our way through various places up through some of the moons of Jupiter. We finished up with a quick look around Jupiter's quiet and ancient moon, Callisto. Now that our batteries are recharged, Let's hop into our trusty spaceship, the USS Robert Frost, and blast off and travel 402 million miles to the neighborhood of Saturn. Wave high to the moon Enceladus as we fly past its bright reflective icy surface, thought to hide yet another massive ocean. We don't want to fly too close, though, lest we get hit by a jet of water vapor and ice shooting up from one of the many geysers on its surface. One quick factoid in passing. Due to the very low gravitational pull on this moon, if you were to perform an average jump in the air, similar to here on Earth, you would soar 140 feet into the air with a minute of hang time before heading back down to the surface. Can you imagine if the X Games hosted a snowboard halfpipe competition, or better yet, a big air competition in one of the icy craters of Enceladus? Think of the tricks and flips these boarders could pull off while shredding and carving their way up and down the icy crater slopes. Tubular. Now, we are actually going to touch down in Titan, another of Saturn's dozens of moons. The second largest moon in the solar system, just behind Ganymede, Titan is interesting because it has an atmosphere twice as thick as that of Earth's. A thick layer of methane and nitrogen clouds engulfs the moon, blocking its surface from the naked eye. Piercing through the cloudy layer, we find ourselves observing a stunning and diverse but fairly flat landscape teeming with lakes, rivers, and even mirror-smooth seas of pure ethane and methane filled up from the raining orange clouds above. We also see dark, electrically charged sand-like dunes rising a few hundred feet in the air, as well as flat plains, hills, valleys, ridges, and chasms. If we stood on Titan... Despite the thick atmosphere, the pressure would be uncomfortable, but at least bearable, feeling similar to resting at the bottom of a swimming pool. If we look up, we would see an orange hazy sky during the daytime, and we would be able to spot Saturn through the haze. Because of the atmosphere, we would experience weather such as rainstorms of liquid hydrocarbons and huge thunderstorms at the polar regions of the moon. 
So, if you want to take a walk on Titan, due to the relatively friendly atmospheric pressure, you wouldn't even need to wear a spacesuit. Just bring your oxygen mask and extremely warm clothes, as the temperature gets down to almost negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit, and you're set for a beautiful methane lakeside stroll. If the mood strikes, maybe even rent a boat and visit one of the many islands found in these glassy lakes. Let's keep strolling another two billion miles to reach Neptune's neck of the woods. As we quickly check in at one of the blue planet's moons, Triton. If you're a fan of cooler temperatures, then this is the destination for you. Known as the coldest known object in the solar system, Triton's average surface temperature is minus 390 degrees Fahrenheit, (laughs) colder than liquid nitrogen. Peering out at the cantaloupe-like terrain, we notice a fairly flat landscape of smooth volcanic plains, rock, nitrogen ice, craters, and geologically active geysers spewing plumes of nitrogen gas many miles up into the air. This gives Triton its extremely thin, mostly nitrogen-based atmosphere. Though Triton experiences slight winds, you wouldn't feel any breeze while walking around. Speaking of which, Triton is small enough that if you walked in a straight line, you could circumnavigate that tiny globe in around 70 Earth days. This could prove a bit challenging, though, as Triton has only half the moon's gravity, or 8% of the Earth's gravity and you'd have an easier time jumping or bouncing along than walking. And if you want to Snapchat or text travel photos to your family and friends of your exotic vacation, you gotta be patient, as it will take the signal about four hours to reach the folks back on Earth. While waiting for the jealous text messages back from Earth, we might as well hop back in our spaceship and cruise another two billion miles to our favorite, once a planet, now a dwarf planet, Pluto. Pluto, a planet so far away from the sun that noonday light would be no brighter than dawn or dusk here on Earth, and the sun would look like no more than a particularly bright star in the sky. Pluto is located in the Kuiper Belt, which is a donut-shaped region of the solar system beyond Neptune's orbit, which contains a variety of icy bodies including comets, asteroids, and chunks of rock and ice. For all of you night owls out there, this is the planet, or dwarf planet, for you. As we open the hatch and set foot on this tiny planet that totals 4,500 miles in circumference, we stare out at a bleak landscape vast, smooth icy plains of nitrogen and methane, and mountain ranges of water ice and nitrogen ice soaring up to 11,000 feet, about as tall as the Rocky Mountains. We see icy ridges and dark and light patches on the ice plains due to differing types of ice present on the surface. Evidence suggests harsh winds rip across the frigid landscape, And with temperatures dipping to around negative 375 degrees Fahrenheit, we can't even imagine what the wind chill factor must make it feel like. Walking around on this planet, you would need to layer like crazy 
and wear your warmest parka on hand. Similar to other small planets and moons with little gravity, an Earth-sized hop on Pluto would send you about 10 feet into the air, with a hang time of around 9 to 10 seconds before floating back down to the surface. All in all, this rugged little planet would provide a lot of interesting hiking and climbing for the winter-hardened explorer, all under a black or dusk-like sky. Hey, while we're still out here in the Kuiper Belt, let's hop onto a nearby floating asteroid. What would it be like if you stood on an asteroid? Well, for starters, asteroids have such little gravitational pull, if any, that you would be floating around or floating away more than anything else. Just a little hop and you could most likely escape the asteroid. MIT researchers have suggested in an article in the journal Acta Astronautica that if the asteroid has a diameter of at least 8 kilometers, or around 5 miles, an astronaut would most likely come back to the surface after jumping. But if the asteroid is any smaller, you are going to just float away into space. And with this said, even if the asteroid is large enough to keep you on its surface, any attempt to move around or touch anything could send you on a different trajectory, or spinning around. So, for starters, you will probably need to anchor yourself with a safety line. If you bring along your climbing gear, you could hook in at a point, and then you could explore around the asteroid a bit while being tethered to the anchor point. Depending on the size of the asteroid and its gravitational force, this would determine whether you could walk around or crawl around on the surface while being tethered. So, what is the surface of an asteroid like? There's probably a bit of variation, but taking a look at the asteroid Ryugu, which was recently explored by the Japanese Space Agency in 2018, it has an uneven surface of craters, rocks, and pebbles, and not much else. These objects cling to and are bound to each other by their own gravity. Other asteroids might not have any rock, or might be chunks of partial rock with ice and various traces and deposits of different types of minerals and elements. Pretty much a floating chunk of space rubble. The Ryugu asteroid measures approximately a half a mile in diameter. But asteroids, like everything else in space, come in all shapes and sizes, from a speck of dust to hundreds of miles in length and size. Now that we've finished our lap around the solar system, we've got a little rocket fuel left to explore a few more things in space before calling it quits. Now, Earth is one of trillions of planets in the known universe, and there are no doubt planets out there that exceed our wildest imagination. Let's touch down on just a few of these exoplanets that we are aware of. An exoplanet is a planet that orbits other stars outside of our own solar system, and to date, there are close to 4,000 known or confirmed exoplanets, and thousands more that have been discovered, but not as of yet confirmed. First up is the planet Kepler-16b. A long time ago... In a galaxy far, far away, well, 200 light-years away from Earth to be more exact, 
a planet named Kepler-16b was formed. Like Luke Skywalker's native Tatooine, Kepler-16b orbits two stars, which means a person standing on this planet would get to experience a double sunset every evening. This planet is thought to be a cold world, about the size of Saturn, and made of half rock and half gas, so pretty much it is a gas giant. It most likely does not have any sort of solid surface one could theoretically stand on. It orbits both stars in around 229 days and is outside of the habitable zone where liquid water could be present. So, again, not really possible to stand on this planet, but it could be worth parking your Millennium Falcon spaceship close to the planet to witness the incredible double sunrises and sunsets it would offer. Next up, we'll touch down on Koro 7b. Almost 490 light years away from Earth, this is a planet that is one and a half times the size of our own world, but 60 times closer to its star than Earth is. Thought to have originally been a gas giant that shed its gaseous layers as the planet got closer to its sun, leaving it with the rocky core, Koro 7b might still just be covered in lava, but more intriguingly, it might actually be a world of violent extremes, a planet of fire and ice. Evidence suggests the planet might be tidally locked with its sun. If this is true, the side that is constantly facing the sun will sizzle at a temperature of nearly 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit, hot enough to vaporize rock. This side of the planet is theorized to be a massive boiling ocean of lava. And the backside, or night side, of the planet remains at nearly minus 392 degrees Fahrenheit, cold enough to harden the lava and make for some rocky, lava-based formations. It's safe to say this uninhabitable icy inferno of a planet is best looked at from afar. No point trying to walk on this one, unless you want to risk getting instantly vaporized or frozen solid. Choose your pick. 500 light years away from the Earth is Kepler-22b. This is an especially intriguing planet. Dubbed a super-Earth, Kepler-22b is twice the size of our Earth, and it harbors temperatures of around a pleasant 72 degrees Fahrenheit, and is maybe even covered by an ocean. As far as we can tell, the planet lies in the habitable zone of its solar system, which means that life on the planet isn't out of the question. Who would have thought that a watery Earth similar to 1995's Waterworld movie or the planet Miller in Interstellar actually exists? Well, it sounds like for this planet you'd want to pack a swimsuit, a life jacket, and your favorite pair of water skis or wakeboard. Maybe even a surfboard, too, if there are some good waves to catch. Unless the waves are a mile high, like the planet Miller in Interstellar. Well, water kind of freaks me out just a little bit, so I'd probably pass on this planet. But it's cool to think that there might be a water world out there sporting mild, pleasant temperatures. When thinking about Kepler-22b, I can't help but think of the tropical planet Scarif in Star Wars Rogue One.
Of all the strange planets out there, the most intriguing and likely the rarest ones are planets most similar to our planet. Rocky planets with liquid water in a habitable zone that could potentially support life. These are planets that wouldn't be as much of a stretch of the imagination to think we could realistically walk around on. A few such planets that have been discovered that might have the right conditions for life include TRAPPIST-1f, a rocky planet just 40 light-years away, Kepler-452b, a planet 500 light-years away that is roughly the size of Earth that orbits a red dwarf star, or Kepler-186f, another Earth-sized rocky planet around 500 light-years away that might contain liquid water and orbits a sun about half the mass and size of our sun. This planet is a bit cooler and darker than what we are used to on Earth. It is thought that if you stand on the surface of Kepler-186f at high noon, it would be about as bright out as the sun is an hour before sunset here on Earth. At any rate, we are excited for future discoveries concerning these planets and new ones to be found as mankind continues its quest for extraterrestrial life. As we wrap things up, let's get totally crazy. How about we visit two of the most powerful and destructive forces in the known universe? Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station. First, a neutron star. Neutron stars are the collapsed cores of massive stars. After a massive star explodes into a supernova, it collapses back in on itself to its core, and what is left, this collapsed core, is the densest form of observable matter in the universe, a neutron star. Neutron stars are formed in less than a second after the supernova event, and during this process, light is released outshining billions of suns. Neutron stars are incredibly small about 15 to 20 miles across, or around the size of Manhattan. But in this small mass is packed 1.5 times the mass of our own sun. To give you an idea of how dense a neutron star is, a single grain of sand made out of neutron star material would weigh about 500,000 tons, about as much as a huge ocean liner ship. Pack a matchbox with material from a neutron star, and that little matchbox would weigh about 3 billion tons, the same as a small mountain range. Neutron stars are incredibly hot, about 1 million Kelvin at its surface, compared to our sun's comparatively frigid surface temperature of 5,800 Kelvin. A neutron star's magnetic field is around 100 million to 1 quadrillion times stronger than the Earth's magnetic field, and its gravity is about 2 billion times stronger than the gravity on Earth. Neutron stars rotate very quickly, several hundred times per second. Realistically, your body would be torn apart and vaporized well before you could ever reach the surface of a neutron star due to its insane gravity. In fact, get too close to a magnetar, which is an especially potent type of neutron star, let's say 600 miles away or so, 
and your molecular structure would break down and you would literally dissolve. One thing that's interesting to note about neutron stars, they actually are thought to have a solid surface or crust of sorts, despite the insanely hot temperatures. This crust is thought to be 10 billion times stronger than still. Theoretically, if you could stand on the surface of a neutron star, you would most likely be flattened to a two-dimensional form. Yep, you'd be 2D. On to our last stop, and one of the most exotic, perplexing, and little-known places in the universe. Striking equal parts wonder and terror. A black hole. A black hole is defined as a region of space-time exhibiting gravitational acceleration so strong that nothing, no particles or even electromagnetic radiation such as light, can escape from it. Black holes have infinite density, causing warping and curvature of the fabric of space-time. To get some terminology straight, the boundary or rim of a black hole is called the event horizon, and the center or deepest part of a black hole is called the singularity. Black holes range in size from stellar black holes, which can be 10 to 100 solar masses, to supermassive black holes, which can be millions or billions of solar masses. The center of nearly every galaxy probably has a supermassive black hole, including our own Milky Way galaxy. The closest known black hole to Earth is V616 Monocerotis, which is approximately 3,000 light-years away and is about 9 to 13 times the mass of the Sun. What exactly would it be like to walk, or rather float, or probably most accurately fall into a black hole? What would you experience? What would you see? Would you enter a tesseract, similar to what happened in the 2014 movie Interstellar? Would you be spit out into another dimension or universe? Is it possible to come out the other side? The truth is, we don't really know for sure what would happen. We do know that the laws of physics and space and time are warped and altered the deeper you enter into a black hole. So, for starters, as you approach the event horizon, you'd probably see some crazy visual distortions of the sky and space around the black hole due to the immense bending of light taking place. Once you reach the event horizon or outer edge of the black hole, there's no turning back. Whatever may happen, you can't get back out and you are in for one crazy ride. Now, scientists theorize that at first you would feel weightless and wouldn't really feel anything. This is especially true if you are heading into a supermassive black hole. However, as you continue to get sucked closer and closer to the singularity or central point of the black hole, the massive gravitational force would literally stretch and tear your body apart in a process known by the scientific term spaghettification. Yep, 
your body would go through the old cosmic pasta machine and spaghettify. Once you reach the singularity, you'd be crushed to an infinite density, being added to the mass of the black hole. But as recent studies of black holes have shown, more realistically, your death would happen much earlier. You would be instantly burned to death once you hit the event horizon, due to quantum effects and energy present, sparing you the inevitable and probably more painful death of spaghettification. Mamma mia! Potato, potato, right? Well, taking things back down to Earth, it's nice to step foot back on our own planet. Doing this little exercise has certainly helped us appreciate how precious and incredible and rare our own planet is. To be able to perfectly support life for delicate life forms such as ourselves and animals and plants that inhabit this world. Space is very cold, very dark, and full of extreme environments beyond our wildest imaginations. As we've previously mentioned, realistically, if we were to set foot anywhere in this solar system, and probably almost anywhere else in the galaxy, or even the universe for that matter, we would not survive more than a second or two. For that reason alone, across the vast expanse of space, and among the trillions of planets in it, Earth is, in our estimation, one of the most, if not the most, exotic, singular, and uniquely special objects in the universe. Not to get preachy or political, but it gives us a renewed sense of the responsibility we have to be good residents and sensible stewards over this incredible world we live on. Nothing groundbreaking, folks. Don't litter. Recycle and reuse where possible respect life, don't be cruel to animals, and most importantly, be kind to each other, be slow to judge and quick to lend a helping hand, be uplifting, be a force for good in the world. We're all in this together, so let's keep things real and enjoy our time together on this amazing planet we call home. That's one small step for man. Now, as a final note, what in the heck does this episode have to do with shoes? Well, obviously, the whole episode has been leading up to this particular moment. So, here goes. If you're looking for some cool space-themed shoes, check these out. First, the NASA and Vans collection from November of 2018. The Nike Air Max Lunar 90 SP Moon Landing Sneaker from July 2014. My personal favorite, the Nike Air Max 90 QS Mars Landing Sneaker from earlier this year in 2019. Those are absolute fire. And the Nike PG3 Paul George's signature shoe, NASA basketball shoe from earlier in 2019, and Tom's black space foil print slip-ons. And those are just a few of our favorite shoes with a space or NASA theme to them. Ah, shoot. We could have done this whole episode in like one minute. What the heck? Well, anyway, 
Thanks for tuning in. And as an intrepid space explorer once famously quoted, To infinity and beyond! Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Immortal Souls Podcast. For more information, show notes, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at immortalsoulspodcast.com, Instagram, or Twitter. Original theme music by Scott Spriggs. Five-star reviews are always helpful and hugely appreciated. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.